we're going to be covering this today as we're talking about um, turning a curse into a blessing. Don't let them see you. And looking now at the donkey. So Balaam, as we talked about yesterday, Balaam was told by Hashem, don't go with him. And then he decided that, you know, uh, they sent him more money, more uh, gadgets, more prestige. And he went to ask Hashem, hey, you know, I know you said don't go, go with them, but I'm wondering how about now? And we spoke yesterday that God allowed him to go or told him to go even. And yet God was angry with him. And, and, and that creates a perplexity in people's minds sometimes. Um, people might ask, well, you know, if God told him to go, then how come Hashem was angry with him? Well, you know, think about those moments where uh, maybe you have a teenager or had a teenager and the teenager asked you permission to go somewhere and initially you said no, and, but then they, they kept bugging you and you relented, um, but you still weren't happy about it. And so, uh, you know, you gave them permission, but you really weren't happy with it because ultimately that was not really what you wanted for, for them to do, uh, but you just gave into them. It's a, that's it, on, a, on a human level, it's a little bit like what we're talking about here, but remember what we left off with yesterday, which is really an important point for you to remember from the Talmud, Makos 10b, um, and that is that God will allow us to go on the path that we want to take. If our path is a, a, a desire to do evil, he will allow us to do evil. Now, he doesn't want us to. He will allow us to. And, and again, to reference one of Paul's letters, because I you know, always... Not that I put a lot of stock in Paul's letters, y'all know that, but I, but a lot of other people do. And so Paul was Jewish, and this is why he said in, the, in his letter to the Romans, I think it was the first chapter, maybe the second, I don't recall. But anyway, he talks about how that God gave the wicked people over to a reprobate mind. Well, Paul didn't make that up. That was not a new revelation. Paul had no new revelation, zero new revelation. What he was pulling from was um, an ancient understanding that if we persist in doing wrong, Hashem will give us over to that. And one of the, um, one of the, to me, one of the scariest things, and and frankly, this is something. This is a conversation that that I have frequently with Hashem, and I, I would encourage you to have the same conversation. And that is, uh, you know, behind closed doors, privately, just you and Hashem. You know, uh, am I am I a walking in darkness and I don't know it? You know, make Father, make sure that I'm that that I'm walking in truth because I recognize that there is this human condition that that we could very well be walking in our own strength, be walking in our own desires. And think that we're doing the will of God, but we're actually doing the exact opposite. This is where Balak, or excuse me, Balaam found himself. But the angel, the, the angel, excuse me, the donkey could see. The donkey could see the angel. There's an interesting insight here about the donkey, by the way, which um, it says the the donkey saw, okay, but Balaam did not see. It says, Hashem gave an animal the possibility to see more than man, for man 
with his intelligence would become would be become bewildered if he were able to see the supernatural beings. This is according to Rashi. The Talmud states that if the full power of vision were given to man, no one could live because of the visibility of spirits. No one. No one. You know, uh, I, I once met somebody. They were around us for a little while. And be careful about the people I'm about to describe, by the way. Um, and this person thought herself to be a super spiritual person. And she said to me one time, not just to me, but to the Rebetzin and some others, that that she she constantly sees spirit, the spirits, you know, around and so on. And uh, the answer is no, she doesn't, because the Talmud brings down that we as human beings couldn't we couldn't handle it if we were constantly seeing spirits all, all around us. In other words, what she was insinuating was not that she has seen an angel or a demon or something like that, because yeah, that happens sometimes. You, Hashem will give us a glimpse into the spirit realm on occasion. Okay, that does happen. Um, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is that she implied, inferred, insinuated that she could see all all the time with into demons, the spirits, or whatever around us. And the answer to that is no, you can't. Because if God, if we were given that ability, we couldn't handle it. You know, kind of the old the, the, the famous line from the movie, "You can't handle the truth." That applies to every human being. Abaya remarked that there are more, they, the spirits, are more numerous than we. Rabbi Huna went further and pointed out that each of us has a thousand of them at his left and millions at his right. This is from Barakot 6a. Now, ladies and gentlemen, not to get spooky here, but just to bring something down, what this is referring to in the Talmud is actually demons. Now, it can include angels, but it's really talking about demons. If you actually study the Talmud here, what he's, what Rabbi Huna is talking about with a thousand at our left and a million at our right is talking about demonic spirits. Now, on the one hand, that's a little freaky for people that are, maybe there's people out there that don't really believe in demons and angels, which I don't really understand how you could do that and believe the Bible, but anyway... Um, the reality is, is that there are demons everywhere. That's the bad news. The good news is, I want you to think about it. There's demons everywhere. You can't see them. They're all around us. A thousand to our left, a million to our right. That's a lot. But yet, you and I are able to live uninhindered, uninhibited by them. Now, clearly they can affect us and so on. My point is, is that with that many demons around, we're generally safe. Why? Because of the Ruach HaKodesh, because of Hashem. That's the good news. So don't be scared, but just be aware. This is why we have to be always cautious. And the, the Talmud talks a lot about uh, demons and demon interactions. And not to get off on this topic of demons, it's very fascinating to me. But sometimes it says that demons can even appear as human beings. And you can't tell the difference, which that's a whole other topic. It's a very fascinating uh, discussion, but it's just 
my point in telling you this is a it's an insight to our um, discussion today but it's also uh, an opportunity for us to be aware this is why we need to be prayed up this is why we need to walk in the mitzvot this is why we need to cling uh, to Hashem because um, <clears throat> this is a reality around us we're not and, and, and I want to caution you by the way as I just said it's a fascinating subject I have read um, the passages in the Talmud uh, about them uh, I probably haven't read every passage, but I've read a number of them, and it's very interesting to me. It, I, I'm, the Rebbetzin and I have talked about this um, and wondered about some people we've met in life. <laughs> to, to be quite honest, uh, we've we've wondered was that that, that person that we had so much uh, Gehenim with um, was that actually was that a human? I mean, uh, I, I, I'm just I'm just asking. Um, uh, but I, I would say to you, and I would caution you: do not become obsessed with this topic. Uh, don't 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 give the demons and, and, and the Satan your worship. Don't um, give them all, the all power. Don't focus on them. Oh, they're doing this. Oh, they're doing that. Oh, they're causing this. Oh, they're causing that. Because in so doing, you are basically worshiping them. You're saying that they uh, they're causing this in my life. They're causing that in my life. You're actually giving them power. So you just just be careful with that. Don't don't get don't get off the off the Derek. One more uh, insight about the donkey that I find interesting. Um, it says the donkey turned away from the road. It says the whole story illustrates the tragic conflict that takes place between man's conscience and his desire. The angel of Hashem intervened directly. Okay. All of these incidents should certainly have weakened Balaam's resolve to curse Israel. And this is why we have to have eyes wide open, ladies and gentlemen, because Balaam should have, it should have been obvious to him that God was not going to curse uh, Israel. He did not want to curse Israel. I mean, for goodness sakes, he sends an angel. And by the way, this is not just an angel. This is actually Memtet. This is actually Yeshua. This is the same angel uh, that appeared before Joshua. Um, this is Memtet because whenever you see the angel of Hashem, uh, he is always speaking in first person. He does not say, thus says the Lord. He's speaking in first person, and that's how we know that this is actually the, the, the Mashiach, Memtet, Yeshua. So it should have been, should have been obvious to Belam. And sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, we see what's obvious before us, but we don't see it. Why? Because we really are too much into our agenda. We're too much into what we care about. And this happens to us. You and I have seen it in our own lives. We've seen it in other people's lives. You can share with somebody a scripture verse, for instance, in black and white, and they won't accept it. Why? Because it doesn't comport with what they want in their life. A lot of times we do the same thing. We can see what God wants us to do, but we don't do it. We do the opposite. Why? Because it doesn't comport with what we want in our life. And so you and I have to be careful that we don't fall into that trap. Because when we do, we open ourselves up to a curse. So it says, why did Hashem allow these things to go so far? What was the point of Hashem uh, allowing this charade to continue. And it says here, why did he not intervene earlier? And here's the answer. This is where we have to be careful, and this is just the reality. It says here, the answer is that Satan 
dances before one who wants to sin. This is, the, this is where we have to be careful. Remember what sin is, by the way. Sin is violating the Torah of Hashem. If we want to sin, if that is our desire, then the Satan is going to come and he's going to do a beautiful swan dance in front of us. And, he, and it says that Satan draws him towards that sin. And when he finally does sin, Hashem intervenes and exacts justice. Ultimately, Balaam acknowledged his sin and cried out, may I die the death of the righteous. And so, you know, this is where we have to be careful. So Balaam goes on and he sees this angel with a sword drawn. This is another insight here that just remind us, reminds us what our weapons are. It says the angel was with a drawn sword in his hand. The sword is symbolic, it says, of the weapon used by the nations of the world. Whereas the chief weapon of Israel is the power of prayer. That is the power of our words. And so Balaam, it says here, was attempting to use the power of words against Israel because he realized that that was Israel's power, so he had it in his mind to strike Israel with their same weapon. But what the angel was showing him was, because you have come against Israel with their weapon, I'm going to come against you with my weapon. So even after Balaam... You know, he tells the angel, should I turn around? The angel says, no, go. And see, even that is a delusion. It became obvious to, to Balaam that this was not the will of God, but he wanted to do it anyway because of his hatred towards the people of God. And this is such a scary place. that, As I read this story, just like I read any, any story, we have to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that, that, none, that we are all capable of, of, of this. We're all capable of this. And the question here is asked, how could Balaam have deluded himself so? Rashi says that he thought that somehow he could persuade Hashem to agree with his curse. And that is, that is an illustration of just how depraved man's arrogance can be. Now, we look at this, it, it, the tendency is to look at such an insight and, and just shake our head and say, really, you really thought you could convince Hashem to go along with your nonsense? But ladies and gentlemen, haven't we done that before? Haven't we been involved in something we knew we weren't supposed to be involved in, but somehow we thought we could convince God it was going to be okay? Haven't we tried that before? And this is a very scary place. We have, we have to avoid delusion. And it's scary because how do we avoid delusion? Listen, I just got through saying there's a thousand demons to our left and a million to our right. But the angels surround those who are encamped of the Lord. This is what, this, this is what the verse means in Psalms, by the way. That he makes a table before me in the presence of my enemies. We have to stay connected to Hashem. So, we finally get to chapter 23. Balaam finally gets to where Balak is. And he says to Balak, build for me seven altars. Okay. And prepare for me seven bulls and seven rams. So, he, Balak did like Balaam wanted. And Balak and Balaam brought up a bull and a ram on each altar. And Balaam said to Balak, um, 
You stand by your burnt offering while I go, and perhaps perhaps Hashem will, will happen upon me. Now, before this, it says that they brought him up to the heights of Baal, and from there he saw an edge of the people. So this is why I wanted to, my secondary title for today was Don't Let Them See You. It has to do with an evil eye. This is why I think that people should avoid social media, as particularly Facebook. Um, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not somebody who is, uh, rants and raves about this necessarily. I was on Facebook for 10 years until two or three months ago and we finally got off and, uh, understanding these things about the evil eye and vision and so on. It's, uh, just, we just need, we need to be in this, in this battlefield of life. Let me put it this way. You need to keep your silhouette low. You know, that's the... <laughs> I went through, uh, what is it, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, at least ten weeks of, well, actually more than that. doesn't matter. Probably more like twelve weeks altogether, or, or more, actually. Um, but anyway, I've been through at least twelve weeks combined of advanced infantry school. And, you know, as I look back on that, some of it I can remember, some of it I can't. It's been a long time ago, believe it or not. Um, but one of the key things, it's, it's really, you learn some interesting things, but one of the, one of the key things is keep your silhouette low, minimize the target. You're always minimizing the target, right? In combat, you just don't want to, you don't want to stand up. You don't want to, you know, even when you're crawling over a wall, you, 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 as to the extent possible, you try to just kind of roll over it. Don't, don't stand up and jump over it. And so just remember that in the battlefield of life, keep your silhouette low. Why am I saying that? Well, because it says here, from there he saw the edge of the people. Ramban explains that a curse can be made only when the object of the curse is well in view. This is because it, it, it helps concentra concentrate the mind and the desired effect is brought through intensity of thought. Accordingly, the potential for invoking the power of a curse is particularly strong if the viewing is done by people of great intellectual depth. The Talmud remarks that whatever the sages, wherever the sages set their eyes, they drew misery and death to that place. This is mailed Katan 17b. Clearly, when it says set the eyes, it's talking about uh, a look of derision. This is why Balaam had to be brought to a high place where he could see the Israelites. This is why I say don't let them see you. Be careful about the, the silhouette you put up. Be, be, be careful about the target you put up there. We talk about this with respect to the evil eye. And the evil eye is ultimately jealousy, the jealousy that comes with the curse. Everybody likes to put their whole life on social media. Please don't do that. You have to be very careful. Especially when it comes to things that are going great in your life. You know, um, new job, new car, new house. But you have to be careful about that. I got blessed with a promotion. I got blessed with a bonus. You tell a godly person that and they should celebrate with you and say that's amazing. Okay? But... You could also attract attention to yourself and attract the evil eye, which is a curse. People see you and want to curse you. And to be very careful about this. this. This stuff is real, by the way. Don't think for a minute that 
there there isn't power in witchcraft. There absolutely is, otherwise people wouldn't do it. This is why I've said, by the way, the whole thing about mytho the mythological deities from, from Rome and Greece and other places, they're not mythological. Mythological is an adjective given to them by, uh, by pseudo-intellectuals who don't believe in God. They're not mythological. You can't get millions of people for hundreds of years, maybe thousands of years, to believe in something that was a myth. That just doesn't work. You, they have to have power, and they did. Because they're demons, that's why. So this stuff is it, this stuff is real, okay? Now, another insight from Targum Yonatan. Targum Yonatan points this out. That's right, Eldad, cover and concealment. Ooh, rah, that's, that's, that's actually the phrase I was looking for. Cover and conceal. So cover and conceal. Think about that when you're on social media. I recommend you get off Facebook. That's my recommendation. So, you know. That's just a recommendation. It's not an edict. Just saying. But even when, if you're on those types of things, I don't care if it's social, uh, whatever social media platform it is, cover and conceal. Don't don't throw everything out there. Cover and conceal. Plus, you need to be careful about vanity anyway. So that's always just be careful about that too. We, you know, yeah. Enjoy your food. Please don't take a picture of it. I'm glad you're eating it. I'm glad it looks pretty. And <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it says here, Targum Yonatan, um, when morning came, this is what how he interprets the verse, and it's it's another great you know opportunity for us to learn here. Uh, he says, who interprets the verse, uh, he interprets the verse rather, when morning came, Balak brought Balaam up to the heights where the idol of Peor was located. From there he could see the camp of Don, which extended to the rear of the nation and was not covered by the cloud of glory. Therefore, they were exposed. Why were they exposed? And it brings down here that the, the, the reason Don was exposed is because some of the members had been holding on to the idol of Mika. Mika. In other words, there was idolatry. Ladies and gentlemen, idolatry opens us up to the curse. This is why we'd say, you know, you can't mess around with it. We can't be keeping idolatrous festivals. You also have to be careful about what you have in your house that may be a source of idolatry. Now, with that said, I'm not talking about, you know, things that are... Um, don't, don't lose your mind over that. I'm talking about literal things, right? Nobody needs to have a statue of the fat guy. Nobody needs to have any statues from Asia or things like that, right? We're talking about idolatrous things. You have to be very careful, okay? But if you have a question about something, reach out to us. It's probably easier to do that than to go through the whole long list. But my point here is that we have to be careful that we're not holding on to idolatry because it brings the curse. Now, Hashem can turn the curse into a blessing. Let's mention that for a second because that's what he does with the curse that tries to come out of Balaam's mouth. Understand that Balaam wants to curse Israel very badly. And he is a powerful sorcerer here. But yet he's not able to. Why? Because people cannot curse what God has blessed. Understand that. And this big discussion we've had today about demons, about don't let them see you, about all those kinds of things. Understand at the end of the day, nothing can happen to you unless God wants it to happen to you. That is good news. 
Now, everything, it doesn't invalidate everything I've just said. We have to be cautious, just like cover and conceal. You're not going to die on the battlefield unless God, unless it's your time to die and God has already uh, said that you will. At the same time, you don't run out there and just expose yourself to anybody and everybody because why? We don't tempt God. Even the, the wise who say, well, you know, when it's my time, it's my time. When they're out in battle, they still duck and cover. They run in zigzag patterns, right? Cover fire, suppression fire, all those kinds of things. But if they die, hey, it's because God wanted them to. The point here is we have to understand that nothing's going to happen to you unless Hashem wants it to happen to you. And at the same time, we do everything that we should be doing in the natural, if you understand what I mean. And in the spiritual, of course. But let me give you the secret right now. Why? How, how do we turn a, a, a curse into a blessing? I know you already know the answer to this. It's really, you already know the answer to this, but here it is, Teshuva. When we sin, we bring a curse into our life. There is no doubt about it. And we can turn that curse into a blessing if and when we make Teshuva. In fact, the sages write about this extensively and talk about the fact that when you sin and subsequently make teshuva, Hashem will take that, those failures and actually turn them into good deeds, which only he can do. And that happens when we make teshuva not out of fear, we make Teshuva not necessarily out of regret, although that's an aspect of it, of course. And fear is an aspect of it, too. But this happens when we make Teshuva out of a love for God. When we recognize that our sin caused a breach in a relationship with, a, with the, the God of our, uh, who, who we love, and we want to reestablish that relationship and, 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 and repair it, because we love him, okay, when we have that attitude, Hashem will go back in time and turn that misdeed into merits. And only he can do that, which, by the way, is why Teshuva preceded creation. This is why Teshuva is not relegated to time. Now, Balaam goes out there and he decides he's going to curse the people. And he listen to this. He, he, he puts up seven altars, and there's an insight here that brings down that the seven altars refer to seven planets that he was trying to bring against, the, he was trying to use that as a powerful curse against Israel. But what he didn't realize is, according to Shabbos, Shabbos uh, 156, excuse me, 156a and Nedarim 32a in the Talmud, Israel is not under the astrological signs. The nations of the world are, hashtag Messianic Gentile slash Noahide. However, Israel is not. We are not under the astro ast astrological signs. We're under the protection of Hashem. Balaam didn't know that. Balaam is also, this is another sign of his delusion. And I just, golly, every time I, re I, I just shudder because I think, Lord, please, and I mean this sincerely, please, Hashem, don't allow us to become deluded. Do not allow us to enter into this level of delusion. Because here's Balaam, 
He's been through everything he's just been through. By the way, his donkey died immediately after his donkey said what he said, or said what she said, actually. She died. So, you know, he's lost his donkey. He's been through all this. And he says, perhaps Hashem will happen towards me. And it says that Balaam wanted to appeal to Hashem by invoking his attribute of mercy. Therefore, he used the divine name Hashem, which means mercy. Ladies and gentlemen, we can enter into such delusion that we will try to curse even in the name of God. And we have to be careful that we don't get delusional. Another point of delusion, talk about the seven altars. It says here, Balaam was trying to remind Hashem of the seven altars of the patriarchs and their lifetime. And he was making the argument that if Abraham brought up just one ram at the binding of Isaac, Balaam was going to offer up a bullock and a ram on each altar. And so he thought that, you know, quantity would overcome quality. Somehow Balaam thought that God would be on his side cursing the people of God. We have to understand that we cannot risk getting into uh, this level of de de delusion. Hashem answered Balaam, by the way, and said that even the meekest meal offering is dearer to him than all the sacrifices of the nation. The, 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 uh, pardon me. The, the smallest meal offering of Israel is dearer to him than all the sacrifices of the nations. Why? He says because Israel is ultimately a, a nation of peace, of, of shalom, and the nations are not. So we see here another clue. One of our other clues is that we can, we can't, if we are people of shalom, then God's blessing will reside upon the, us. And this first utterance, which you can read in the scriptures in chapter 23, uh, verses uh, 7 through, looks like 7 through uh, 11, that Balaam attempts to curse, but out of his mouth comes a blessing. Why is this the case? How, again, the question on the table was, how we turn a curse into a blessing? The answer is to stay connected to Hashem. With love, yes. What's another way to stay connected to Hashem? Through the mitzvot. The word mitzvah it, itself means connection. The word mitzvah itself means connection. Therefore, when we connect to a mitzvah, whatever the mitzvah is, whenever we perform a mitzvah, I should say, we are connecting necessarily to the source, which is Hashem. So let us stay connected. And what God has blessed, no man, no woman can curse. So yes, cover and conceal, keep a low profile out there, pray, stay connected to Shem, and ultimately understand that God is in control of your life and nobody can do anything to you unless Hashem wants them to. Now, the last thing is, we can turn a, a curse into a blessing in our life by performing teshuva. And the question becomes, who needs teshuva? All of us. And by the way, one last thing about that. I don't know if I've mentioned this before. Maybe I have and I've forgotten that I did. But And this but was reading a book on teshuva here recently and they something was said in there that was such a good comment. 
And it says that teshuva is not just about making amends for sins that we committed. But teshuva is, is ultimately about our connection to Hashem, making the connection stronger. I feel like I've said this before, but I could have been thinking that I said it, but it doesn't matter. I'll say it again. And it was such a good comment because it explained in there why the Zadikim, why the sages, why people who were, you know, not sinners necessarily. In other words, people that, it wasn't as if they committed some big sin. So why are we making Deshuvah every day if yesterday was, you know, pretty good? And the answer is, is because our connection can always be stronger. Our connection can always be stronger. So please understand that. When we talk about Teshuva, you may be sitting there saying, well, I mean, I'm not perfect. I get that. But I don't really feel like there's anything I need to make Teshuva for necessarily. Well, that's great. If that's you, Baruch Hashem, fantastic. And I would say that your connection to Hashem could be even stronger which is really the point of teshuva. That's really the point. We talk about sins. That's obviously a breach in the connection. I mean, the, the, the plug has been, un, the, the, the cord has been unplugged from the wall. Okay, clearly we need to reconnect. But can we make that connection even stronger? And that's the point of teshuva. And that's where curses in our life get turned into blessings. And Hashem is saying to us this morning, that's all I ask. All I ask is you return to me and I will return to you you. End of our Aliyah today. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Glad you were with me today and uh, look forward to being with you tomorrow and God's help. Until then, be blessed. Oh, by the way, please be sure and share your takeaway from this video. Did you learn anything today? If so, put it into the comments of the video. It makes a big, big difference for you to help people see what your takeaway is and it really inspires people to talk about it and keep it on the forefront of our minds, which is what we all need to do. So thank you for sharing. Thank you for liking this video and please subscribe to our channel if you have not done so. We'll see you tomorrow with God's help. Until then, have a blessed and amazing day.